Welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. And no, your speakers aren't broken. I am not Matthew Albright. Uh, my name is Michael McNutt with Weedy, the producer of the podcast. Matthew's out of the office and handed the reins to me this week. I am the Director of Education and Events at Weedy, W-E-D-I, and for nearly 30 years, Weedy has been an instrumental force in igniting public-private partnerships to empower meaningful change for the American healthcare system. How do we ignite those partnerships? Well, one of the ways is through our incredible work groups. Every day, Weedy members volunteer their time and talent to Weedy work groups to provide thoughtful leadership and common sense approaches that enhance the exchange of clinical and administrative healthcare information. They collect input, exchange ideas, and make recommendations that inspire impactful and far-reaching change in our industry. Today, I would like to welcome the co-chairs of Weedy's Privacy and Security Workgroup, Marilyn Zygmunt Luke, Vice President with America's Health Insurance Plans, commonly known as AHIP, and Tina Grande, Executive Vice President for Policy for the Healthcare Leadership Council. Marilyn, Tina, welcome to the Collective Voice of Health IT. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be with you today. Thank you, Michael. No, well, as we always start with our episodes, uh, we go through our origin story. Every good superhero or every great healthcare professional has one. Uh, so, Marilyn, please start. How did you get into healthcare? Well, Michael, that's really an interesting question because when I was in law school, I didn't intend on being involved in any specific industry. I wanted to be a lawyer and I wanted to work in the legal sector and uh, stayed in private practice for a little bit after graduating. But subsequent to that, I took a job with the Department of Labor, what was then the Pension and Welfare Benefits Administration. And one of the things that I used to do is speak with consumers about problems that they had with their benefit plans. And I was at the time when HIPAA had just come into fruition, it was then the Kennedy Castle Bomb Act, and there was a lot of questions in the industry about what does it mean, how will it affect consumers, how will it affect companies, and Following my time at the Department of Labor, I then worked in compliance roles for a number of private health insurance companies. And HIPAA has been sort of the one theme in all of my jobs and in every position I've held where it's been required in terms of understanding how privacy and security implicate health information. And it's been something that I've developed over all of the years uh, really is something I'm, I'm not only interested in, but it's really become sort of a, a specialty area for me. Excellent. Tina, <laughs> Tina, how did you jump into healthcare? Wow. Well, like Marilyn, I never thought I would ever be working as a health policy professional as, as a young person. I actually, um, out of college, went to work on Capitol Hill for my senator uh, from the state that I, I was residing in at the time. And that member of Congress sat on two committees of jurisdiction <laughs> over healthcare. And uh, we had a really interesting experience because this was at the time when um, Clinton Care, for those of you who are, I'm dating myself, who are old enough to remember or were around at the time, it was the first real big shot at, at large scale health reform. And I was sort of thrown into it uh, and really liked it. To my surprise, it ended up being something that I just built upon from my years working in the Senate, 
Um, I then went to work off Capitol Hill and did uh, some advocacy work, um, did some research work, and then took a detour and ended up in the Bay Area uh, because of my husband's professional situation. And it was really great to step away from um, healthcare and Washington, D.C., the bubble, you know, that we all reside in here, and um, got involved on the industry side and formed my own tech company. Um, and I really learned a lot um, at the time uh, about just building a business and having these wonderful people who put their faith in you and your idea. And it was a really great learning experience. But long story short, um, I eventually came back to DC and um, ended up at the Healthcare Leadership Council for a second go around. I had already worked there once before heading to the Bay Area. So came back here uh, and um, took over the policy department um, at HLC. And part of that job includes chairing a privacy and security coalition that um, the health industry participates in. And it's been 14 years now, I think, that I've been part of this, this effort around privacy and security of health information. And it's been fascinating to watch how healthcare privacy policy has evolved over the last 14 or 15 years. Um, really fascinating to see how the issues have evolved with the onset of you know, the internet and social media and everything. It's been a really fascinating experience. So you know, that's in a nutshell, Michael, I guess how I got involved and how my career has evolved. No, fantastic. No, I've had the pleasure of working with both of you on, on multiple different occasions uh, through the education aspect of Weedy. Now, let's talk about that privacy and security work group that I've had the pleasure of working with. Um, you know, how long have you been co-chairs? Um, uh, tell us a little bit about the work group. Uh, how often do you meet and, and, and what's kind of the format of your meetings? Tina, why don't you go ahead? Sure. Okay, Marilyn. So Marilyn and I put our heads together and, and realized it's been three years now that we've been co-chairing this work group together. And we've really enjoyed the experience. We really enjoy uh, getting to know the Weedy members who are part of this work group. Um, what do we do? We meet monthly uh, as a group. We tend to focus our discussions around what's happening both at the regulatory level in uh, the federal government as well as the congressional level. And um, we try to keep our meetings very conversational. You know, it's topical as it relates to current issues at the federal level, but we really do like to encourage our weedy uh, members of the work group to really give their personal experiences because they come from all over the United States and they have really interesting perspectives on the topics. Marilyn, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think Tina gave a great summary, Michael. And one of the advantages of the work group is that, as Tina mentioned, we really have a lot of lively dialogue from a variety of representatives of different organizations, whether they're health plans, providers, clearinghouses, really a good cross-section of different entity types within healthcare, but also specific uh, different, in, different professionals and different levels of expertise that all impact privacy and security. So it has been really a, a very good opportunity to have robust discussion in an open forum. Uh, you know, people are always willing to offer their ideas and help. We've done a number of things like develop comment letters 
in response to federal regulations. We've been tracking a number of federal bills and have been talking about uh, what Weedy should offer in terms of the, the, the legislative context. And we've also done a whole series of webinars more from an educational standpoint. We've worked with other Weedy work groups on what they call white papers, which are written materials that provide information and summaries on a variety of topics. And so really a, a kind of a broad swath of products and interests, but it's been very important and I think really productive in terms of understanding what the current issues are and what is an industry we need to think about and what the next steps would be. Now, I'm not going to let you gloss over the education aspect of it because you guys are incredibly helpful from an education perspective. If it's privacy and security, I go to Marilyn and Tina. Uh, whether it's content ideas, speaker ideas, you guys are always there to help us at Weedy, and we are always greatly appreciated. Um, when when you're looking at these issues that you're talking about, what are some? I mean, did you just have a meeting this month or last month? What were some of the issues you guys are talking about from a privacy and security standpoint? Well, one of the big things this year, Michael, had to do with some proposed regulations that came out for changing the HIPAA regulations to try and really improve access to information from individuals and help facilitate care coordination within the overall health architecture. So we prepare detailed comments in response to those regulations. We will stand ready to work with the agency as those regulations progress through the process. But I think that's one of our most recent examples. Tina, I'm sure there are others. What do you think? Well, that was also the first one that came to mind for me too, Marilyn, was having OCR as the HHS Office for Civil Rights come in and do a walkthrough of the bill for our Weedy Workgroup members, or the, the proposed rule for our Weedy Workgroup members. That was really great. I think, Michael, the other issue that comes to mind is just all the work we've recently been doing on cybersecurity and discussing issues like ransomware and other really um, frightening threats to patients and consumers and healthcare organizations and really trying to get a grip on a, you know, what is the federal policy environment like for healthcare around cybersecurity, but then also trying to get feedback from the Weedy member organizations in the work group as to what are their priorities around cybersecurity? Um, what kind of information can they give to the work group so that we can help communicate with federal officials? as it relates to lessening the threat or ameliorating in some way, you know, some certain angle as it relates to cybersecurity um, problems. It's a big problem that seems to only be growing. And for healthcare, it's particularly serious because patients' lives could ultimately be on the line. So um, it's, it's a very, very important topic that we've been recently discussing in the work group. No, that's fantastic. And by the way, we're speaking with Marilyn Zygmunt Luke with AHIP and uh, Tina Grandy with the Healthcare Leadership Council. They are the Weedy Privacy and Security Co-Chairs. Uh, this is an episode of the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast. Let's talk about cybersecurity because oftentimes when it, we're looking at privacy and security, like you mentioned, you're talking about HIPAA and kind of protecting that information. But cybersecurity seems to be a whole other animal, a very dangerous animal. And in fact, last December, we held a one-day event looking at ransomware that was free to the industry that was attended by, you know, hundreds of people because they're really concerned and really uh, that the, the issue is with this patient data liberation can open up a new door 
in terms of cybersecurity concerns, uh, you know, what's the work group thinking about, or, or what are your personal, I guess, thoughts on the idea that you know patients, as we all want, will have more control over their healthcare data. That's fantastic. That that's perfect. That's what we all we all dream for. However, there are trapdoors in terms of dangerous actors out there who have ulterior motives with persons' data. Uh, so, is that something you guys discuss from time to time, even at HLC and AHIP? That you know we're in this kind of revolution of data liberation, but we also have this cloud of cybersecurity above us. Michael, I really like how you phrased it in terms of doors and different points of access. We deal with cybersecurity issues constantly, and it is one of the areas that's very tough to keep up with because one, what you can't do in cybersecurity is get comfortable and think that you understand all of the threats and that you're prepared against any attacks because every time you do that, if you become complacent, there's always something new. There could be back doors where somebody could get into a system. You really have to remain not only diligent, but keep up to date on what the current threats are and what's happening not only within healthcare, within other industries, because we've seen a number of attacks from nation states. There can be nefarious actors simply trying to get into steal data for uh, different financial reasons. Uh, there, there can be a whole host of intrusions that take place. So cybersecurity will continue to remain one of the key priorities within the health industry. It's something that as a work group, we continue to talk about. And we've, as you've mentioned, have done a number of educational events. We are in constant contact with the Department of Homeland Security in terms of their alerts. We keep up to date with the Federal Bureau of Investigation and any activities that they are seeing. Um, Tina, what else? Oh, goodness. Yes. And of course, HHS, you know, and the work yes. that they're doing. And they're, they're um, you know, Michael, I think when you're talking about, you know, you've got privacy on this one end and then then there's there's cybersecurity on the other. Believe it or not, there is a link to the two. And I think it's the HIPAA security rule. You've got HIPAA is both privacy and security. And in healthcare, um, you know, you need to abide by the HIPAA security rule and you need to abide by the HIPAA privacy rule. And so cybersecurity triggers to a degree breach and breach notification, which is all part of the HIPAA security rule process. And so there is this sort of winding path that links privacy with security and then ultimately cybersecurity. So one of the issues that we also talk about with our Weedy workgroup members is, you know, the difficult situation that healthcare companies are put in when um, we live in this ever larger interoperable healthcare environment and our healthcare organizations are really encouraged, I could say even in some cases mandated to push information out of their own organizations and um, so, so there's this, this idea of opening up and liberating the data, as you had put it, Michael, at one point. Yet on the other side, we want to make sure that the information is safe and secure. Um, and so there's this tendency to want to make sure you're not giving it to the wrong person or you're doing something wrong that's going to harm the patient or the consumer in any way. And so healthcare's in this strange sort of balancing act between pushing the information out, but making sure that it's kept safe and secure, you know, on the other side. And there's this whole breach notification process. 
that is put upon healthcare organizations because of the HIPAA rules um, and the breach notification rule that complements them, that when they have been the victim of a cyber attack, they are automatically also considered sort of um, not a perpetrator, but you know, they, they have to A, notify people, which is the right thing to do. But then HHS also sort of puts them on the breach notification, breach portal for everybody to see. And that's been a really difficult conundrum for healthcare organizations to be in because in a way, um, they are certainly victims of cyber attacks and those that have the most sophisticated cybersecurity um, technologies and policies put in place still get attacked. Yet they're also to a degree um, treated as a as a a bad guy in a way because they could get breach penalties put upon them and they're put on what in quotes air quotes here the wall of shame by HHS. So it's a really hard conundrum for healthcare organizations to be in um, right now. I think as it relates to um, cybersecurity. Do you do you agree, Marilyn? I, I agree, Tina. And as I was listening to your comments, one of the things that you reminded me about has to do with the liberation of data and consumers that are using these applications or apps as they're commonly called. There's a lot happening in terms of the technology space for consumers to be able to not only generate their own health data, but share it as Tina indicated. And what I think a lot of consumers need to understand and, and entities uh, as well, uh, would be that not all entities that deal with health information are covered under HIPAA. There are many entities, particularly some applications, that are outside of that uh, legal framework. And to the extent that consumers are requesting information be shared or sharing it themselves with these non-HIPAA entities, there can be legitimate privacy and security risks that are posed. So Tina and I spend a lot of time trying to highlight some of these issues, point out real life situations, and make some recommendations for how to improve not only the legal process, but the practical steps for consumers to become aware of, educate themselves, and protect themselves. No, that's fantastic. And time for a shameless plug here. Talking about liberating patient data, uh, Marilyn and Tina will be moderating a session next week at Wheaties Summer Forum, uh, Liberating Patient Data, Privacy and Security Concerns. Uh, Lucia Savage, Chief Privacy and Regulatory Officer at Omada Health, former Chief Privacy Officer at ONC. Uh, Keith Gratt, uh, Senior Deputy CISO at Sutter Health. And Alex Leiter, Vice President and Senior Counsel with EHI. So uh, if you haven't yet, register at Weedy.org. And if you use the code podcast, you get 15% off your registration rate. Um, I didn't want to pause and go to a commercial because it'd be silly to hand it off to me doing the commercial. So I'm just going to do the commercial right here during the podcast. So thank you very much for that fantastic segue. You led me right in there, Marilyn and Tina. I appreciate that. I didn't have to kind of shoehorn that uh, plug in somehow. Uh, <laughs> what, um, you know, we always ask, and, and this is our final question of the uh, episode, uh, from a privacy and security perspective, because um, we, we rarely have privacy and security guests on, what is your vision uh, for healthcare? Uh, you just talked about this patient data revolution. We're going to be seeing some significant changes in the next 12 to 18 months in terms of healthcare law, healthcare rules, in terms of patient data and the security surrounding it. So what do you see once we get past that kind of honeymoon stage? How do you see healthcare privacy and security in the next three to five years? Well, Tina, well, go ahead, Tina, go ahead. I was just going to ask, Michael, is it our aspirational vision or, or 
a realistic vision of where we're going to be in three to five years. Be real. Well, there's two of you. So one can be aspirational. One can be, you know, doom and gloom if you want. It's fine. Yin and yang. Yin and yang. That's a good way to put it, Marilyn, why don't you go first? Choose your choose your poison. <laughs> well, I always like to start with the with the positive. And so one of the things that I, I think will be helpful is that for as long as Tina and I have been working together, and it's been many years, there has always been a complaint about not having records that you track through the course of your life um, or going to different providers or moving, changing insurance and your records tend to be fragmented and isolated and consumers have not been able to readily access that. What we think and what we expect that some of the legal changes will result in is that there will be information that follows the individual for as long as he or she wants it to. So you won't have more of a fragmented record system process. You as a consumer can go on, say for example, an online portal and access your own information have access to your test results, have a continuum of care for as long as you may want it, whether that's from birth till now, maybe it's the last 10 years, et cetera. So I think that's one of the positive things that are intended to come out of this. From a privacy and security standpoint, though, there are some disadvantages. So Tina, why don't I turn it back to you um, for sort of the, I have to say the doomsayer, but some things that, that could go wrong. I will, I will be doom and gloom now. <laughs> I, I aspirationally, I would certainly love to see Congress pass a national privacy law that protects all health information. The doom and gloom side of me says, I don't know if we'll ever really see that day. I don't know what it's gonna take what scary situation is going to have to unfold for for Congress to really sit down and work through some of the thorny issues that they can't seem to reach agreement on when it comes to passing a privacy law that would include all of the information that is not you know protected under the HIPAA construct that consumers just don't realize isn't protected so um I am skeptical about Congress working out national versus state preemption issues and private right of action issues. As much as we are encouraging them to do something, I would really like to see the regulators do more. You know, I know that they're, they, they may not have, you know, enough authority, but is there something creative they could do within their authority capacity to try to better protect information that's not covered under HIPAA? Because we all know that, you know, apps and social media and all of the sharing that's going on is only going to increase most likely. And I guess my fear over the next three to five years to be a doom and gloom uh, individual is that trust may erode in, you know, the protection of health information and hospitals and health plans and those trusted organizations who handle our information may may start to lose some of that trust because outside of HIPAA, you know, health information is being bought, sold, used, and potentially discriminating against folks. So that's the doom and gloom side of it. We don't want to see that happen. And that's, you know, my plug here, Congress, please, please, please do something to better protect health information that's not already covered under HIPAA. And Michael, if I, could, if I could just jump in and please, say please. something Tina mentioned, 
And it has to do with the fact that, as Tina said, there can be sharing of information and there can be privacy and security risks, but consumers are often giving this information up voluntarily. And so to the extent that you're taking a test and you're sending your genetic material to a company, figure out who owns that company. Is it owned by a US-based company or is it owned by a foreign, foreign company? Who is actually having access to your data? I think that it's great to have availability of information and it's great to be able to leverage these new technologies to try and better understand your own genetic makeup and your own health. But there are specific vulnerabilities if you voluntarily give that information up and it's outside of these legal protections and legal parameters. So for all of our listeners, that's the bit of advice that I think Tina and I would offer because the, the right to really have your own privacy, once that's gone, you can never get it back. And so that's something that I think we'd encourage our listeners to be really cognizant about. Yes, because we all are, and definitely you too are healthcare professionals, but all of us, listeners, hosts, guests, are all consumers, we're all patients. So we have to right. take that in consideration. Well, no, thank you very much, Marilyn and Tina. Marilyn Zygmunt Luke with AHIP, Tina Grandy with the Healthcare Leadership Council uh, for a fantastic discussion. If any of you are interested in joining the Weedy Privacy and Security Workgroup, go to weedy.org, W-E-D-I.org, and click on the workshop, uh, workgroups, workgroup tab. And um, you can find out how you can join this work group. If you're interested in being a member, same thing. If you're not a member with Weedy already, shame on you. But go to Weedy.org and click on membership and learn how you can be a member of this fantastic organization. So once again, Marilyn, Tina, thank you for this great discussion, not only about the work group, but also about privacy and security in today's healthcare. Well, thank you so much, Michael, and thanks for all the work that you do to support privacy and security across the industry. Thank you. Absolutely, Michael. Thanks a million, and Marilyn, so great to be here with you today. Always great to work with you, Tina. <laughs> thanks, everybody. This has been the Collective Voice of Health IT, a Weedy podcast where the health information technology community connects, collaborates, and creates solutions for a better health system. Find this episode and many more on our website, weedy.org. Thank you all for joining us and be safe. <laughs>